0: Success Insight shares the stories of the people with passion and drive who make things happen in the world. Here's your host, Howard Fox. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Success Insight podcast. Our guest today is Hannah Inam. Henna is the author of the recently published book Wired for Disruption: The Five Shifts in Agility to Lead in the Future of Work. Hanna has had a corporate career spanning some 20 years and she has led organizations in R&D, plant operations and has had extensive functional experience in marketing, finance, sales and general management. I think it's safe to say Hannah is very experienced in corporate America. Henna founded Transformational Leadership Inc. in 2010 to help organizations develop authentic leaders who create cultures of innovation, trust and inclusion hello welcome to the success insight podcast thank you
1: so much Howard happy to be here
0: fantastic you know you and I in the spirit of full disclosure for our listeners we have been virtual friends networking friends LinkedIn friends for a number of years and I don't quite remember exactly how we met but I know whatever you were gifting to the universe, I appreciate being there to receive it. So I'm really excited to finally get a chance to have you on the podcast and talk a little bit more about you and your work. For our listeners, you know, before we get into the book or books, I wonder if you could kind of add a little bit more depth to your background and how you got to this point where now you're coaching four organizations.
1: Yeah, Howard, I'm so happy to be on your podcast and have a chance to reconnect with you. So a little bit of background on me, 20 years in corporate America in a lot and C-level roles with uh, Novartis and prior to that with Procter & Gamble. Um, and what got me to What I'm doing today is, uh, I would say, is an early midlife crisis. Right around the time I turned 40, I started to really think about what it is that I really, really wanted to do when I grew up. That movie Eat, Pray, Love had just come out. And I thought, okay, I think I'm going to go figure out this little journey. I skipped Italy and Bali, but I did go to India and went off to an ashram. And I learned how to meditate and, you know, do the whole mindfulness thing. And Then, you know, came back to work. I took 20 days off from work, it was the longest vacation I'd ever taken, and really started to think about okay, what are the moments when I experienced the greatest joy, when I experienced the greatest sense of meaning and fulfillment? And as I thought back to those moments throughout my career. There were always moments when I was talking with somebody, coaching people in my organization, or speaking when I led organizations, uh, you know, large organizations of salespeople, et cetera. And it was really about helping people connect with themselves uh, more deeply, get, out and get an aha moment. That was always one thing that really gave me a lot of joy and sense of fulfillment. And then the other piece was when I was speaking with folks and, you know, they also had these aha moments. That's kind of what got me. And so I finally got the courage up to walk into my boss's office and said, hey, I, I think I want a package. Uh, our organization was going through a restructuring at the time. And it was a few sleepless nights before I walked into her office because I knew there wasn't going any going back. Knock on wood, it's been 10 years since that time.
0: Fantastic. You know, I'm curious, back in the time of the midlife crisis, and I do recognize that moniker, I was in the most beautiful place in the world, and I was incredibly miserable. And I thought, how could that possibly be? Do you recall, you know, what at that point of that midlife crisis, was, was there an event? What was that aha moment for you when you basically kind of stopped, looked around and said, there's something else?
1: It's such a common experience, right? For those of us that have gone through midlife crises, they're sort of like, there's something I'm missing here. So my moment, Howard, was I was, I distinctly remember this. I was on a flight flying from Basel, Switzerland to Mexico City. I was working living and working in Mexico City. I had been to Basel that week and that week was the week when, you know, my team and I were recognized as one of um, the top 10 in a company of 90,000 uh, because we had turned our business around. You know, we had, we'd been running our this business working for Novartis for a couple of years and it had been a turnaround situation. We'd been incredibly successful, tripled the rate of innovation, great engagement scores, etc. And I'm Coming back from this, and this point, this is the highest, you know, honor of my career so far. And I'm sitting on the plane thinking, I should really be happy. And, you know, I was happy. Of course, I was excited for this. And yet there was almost this sense of, like, I'm not happy, happy. Like, I'm happy, but there's something missing, right? That's the point you were saying is, like, what's missing That evening, I went off, you know, I couldn't sleep at night. I was watching, you know, flipping channels on Mexican cable TV. And I came upon this documentary. And this documentary was about child prostitution from Nepal into the brothels in Bombay. And it was just, you know, it was really excruciatingly sad. And I sat there watching it and came upon this young woman that they were talking about in the documentary. And she was, you know, maybe in her late 20s, she'd been trafficked and had figured out how to escape her pimps. And she was literally creating. Created this halfway house for others to escape right on the border between Nepal and and India. And the amount of power that I felt from her, this young woman who's in her 20s, you know, late 20s, she had literally figured out how to escape her pimps and found this part of herself that was incredibly purposeful, courageous, and she was helping others escape, literally creating a halfway house. And I sat there and I thought, Here I am. I'm in this, you know, amazing apartment in Mexico City. I have this, you know, a large PL, a lot of people that I am responsible for. I have an armored vehicle, literally with steel plates, right? And I don't feel half as powerful as she does. And this is what's missing. And so that's when I started to do the inner work to say, you know, who am I? What do I want? What am I here for? And what is the greatest contribution that I can make to others? And up until that point, it had always been sort of, you know, the next achievement, the next challenge, all of which was sort of exciting. But I think at at that point is when I really started to do the inner work of figuring out what's, what's the greatest contribution that I can make? How can I live a life that is a life of meaning and contribution and purpose?
0: fantastic and how did the inner work develop for you you know so you you, you you went into the boss you said hey I'd love to have a package they said okay you went to India and spent some time learned to meditate etc then you set out to get some additional training and again to become this professional executive coach leadership expert what were some of those moments on the way where like oh my god this is this is good this is what I was meant to do.
1: Mm, Great question. So the order of it was slightly different. So I had this aha moment, you know, on the plane, then I went off to sort of like do the inner work and and kind of search. I went off to the ashram in India, you know, and then it actually did take me like a couple of years. I ended up you know, continuing to get promoted and do jobs and all the time kind of with this Thought in the back of my head, so it, it did take me two years. In all fairness, to get the courage up to leave a really cushy job in the middle of a recession and and uh, decide that I wanted to go out on my own.
0: You know, I I got to tell you, I can totally appreciate that. You know, so I was in uh, it was Victoria, British Columbia. I was incredibly miserable. And I remember, I can't do this for the rest of my life. I'm going to die alone in a hotel room. And I decided to go back to school at that point to get the coach training and the master's degree. But it took me another, I don't know, two or three years before I didn't have that opportunity to, to say, okay, I'm done here. Uh, it literally was made for me. But it's, it's really, it, it's amazing that that journey of transformation, how we Here's who we are today. To our new life, it, sometimes maybe it happens, you know, at a snap of a finger. But sometimes it's a journey in and of itself.
1: It is, isn't it? I, th- I think in some ways it's the road less traveled, and where when you are working in corporate jobs, the path is often sort of marked for you. You know, there's like this career ladder, and then there's this next promotion and whatnot. And particularly in the past, that's how it used to be, and I think more and more as you get out on your own as you you're aware Howard it's all by navigation of your inner compass when you no longer have the structures that are available or that are out there in corporate America then you have to create a structure through a sense of purpose a sense you know sense of your values your intuition and the people that you meet along the way
0: Excellent and As you started to travel down this new path, I mean, you have a lot of social capital, just the nature of your background, the people that you work with, the organizations, you know, now you've you've got the training and the capabilities. Have you started to focus on specific areas where, I mean, it's a lot of us do a lot of things in coaching. Some do career development, some do, you know, transition, some at the leadership level. Where did you then discover Kind of your your area of brilliance, you know the the things that you were most passionate about when it came to coaching and leadership development
1: yeah, so it took me a while to get clarity on that Howard. I think when you're out on your own part of the journey as you talked about it is trial and error you're just experimenting to see what works what doesn't work I've had my share of failures and I think that what i've learned for me that is really powerful is i love to work with people who are mission and purpose driven people who really want to be authentic and agile leaders which is the reason why I wrote my first book. It's called Wired for Authenticity. I struggled with authenticity a lot of my life growing up. I grew up, originally from Pakistan, grew up in the ages of about 11 to 20 in four different countries around the world, different continents, always being really agile to adapting, but not almost over-adapting and not being really clear about who I was, which is why this journey of sort of purpose and Doing the inner work became so important. And the reason why I'm, you know, writing this book was important. And I think more and more, Howard, given the situation of disruption that we're in globally right now, with so many people out of jobs or furloughed or feeling anxiety. And even beyond that, the fact that there is AI, automation, robotics, and all of these major disruptions that will happen in workplaces, I think the more We can all connect and do connect with ourselves and do our inner work to understand what is it that you know really inspires me? What's the kind of work that is mainly meaningful for me? Well, how do I bring my strengths? I think that's the work that each of us have to do going forward because that's what will make a better ecosystem so that the people who are inspired to inspire young minds become the teachers, right? And the people who are great at you know, coming up with breakthrough ideas become the scientists that we need. I just envision a world where we're each working in you know, work that truly inspires, motivates, and leverages the strengths that we have. So
0: who is the ideal reader for you in Wired for Disruption, the five shifts in agility to lead in the future of work?
1: Yeah, the ideal re- leader uh, or re- and reader is anybody who is inspired to be a force for good in times of disruption, right? Uh, times of disruption are t- incredibly hard, as we are all, uh, many of us are experiencing. But there are also times for us to reimagine a better world. There are also times where You know, you can use this energy of change and disruption where everything is changing and people are much more open to creating new habits and finding a different way to do things, that if we can use the energy of this time to reimagine, to reinvent, to recreate something that is better, that helps us create workplaces in a world that is better, whatever that area is. So it's doing the work in your environment to see what are the things that bother me, what are the missions to which I am drawn, and doing the work in a world. Work to say how do i become agile in this time of change so that i can pursue work that is truly meaningful for me and be successful at it
0: you know it's interesting you and i probably chatted i don't know let's say a week and a half maybe 2 weeks ago we knew we were going to record the podcast at that time the coronavirus was is and is still on our radar. we are we are incredibly aware of it. That in itself is a major disruption, which, you know, as you were just alluding to, it presents also an opportunity. how do we imagine an a new, better world? And then last week, with the the incident up in uh, Minneapolis and the the protesting and the reactions to the protesting, here in the U.S., and then also the world's reaction to the protest here of how they feel about what, what transpired. So now we have two major, major disruptions that have taken place. Heaven knows if there's going to be another one. Who knows? Those deadly hornets, you know, from South America, or, you know, th- those. that's where I thought the next one was coming from, but little did we know. What, so... How does this rewiring to manage and be agile, to learn from this disruption, to create this better world, how does that start to happen? You know, and I can see where it might, it might happen in a corporation. I mean, now you have employees that are now working virtual. The company may realize, you know, this is not so bad. We can do this. We can learn how to develop and manage and inspire a virtual workforce. But now we have all these other opportunities for disruption, and they, they're they extending far down into the organization and out onto the street into the mom-and-pop shops, the dry cleaners, the nail salons, the et cetera. So that's a lot of disruption for people to come to grips with. And How is this work that you're doing in these shifts, especially like these five shifts, how does that help us to kind of make this transition from what we're doing today to what what our new future could look like?
1: Yeah, Howard. So the five shifts in agility that I talk about in Wired for Disruption are really the shifts that will help us not just survive disruption, because in the future of work, disruption is here to stay. Uh, And what do I mean by that? What I mean by that, in this decade, we are going to continue to face, whether it's climate risk, black swan events, even as organizations who are, you know, responding to this economic fallout of of pandemic, uh, they're going to reassess their business models and figure out You know, how can they be agile from a business model perspective? From my perspective and that of a lot of futurists, disruption is here to stay. And if this is bad, and there's often, there's so many of us that want, you know, to go back to a a normal that feels more familiar, but that normal will elude us. And so what is our work? Our work is to make sure that we evolve. And that we evolve not just to survive this time of disruption, but that we evolve to actually thrive during this time of disruption. So, what does it mean? The whole notion of the book is the fact that we have the emotional neurobiology already within us. So, we've got this, it's in our control in order to shift ourselves from a place of often what happens is we experience a sense of threat, we experience a sense of fear and anxiety when change hits us. And my point is that we have this incredible opportunity that we have these switches inside of us to switch ourselves from this place of threat and fear and anxiety to a place that is much more purpose-driven, much more mission-driven. And we can do it much more contribution-driven because when I shift myself from a place of fear, anxiety and move to a place of contribution, That actually is good for my well-being. It's not just good for the workplace in terms of my contribution and my creativity and my curiosity and my ability to respond uh, with creative solutions to the change that has happened, to the ambiguity, to the unpredictability, but it's actually good for my well-being. In other words, these states are good for my immunity. So, the first form of agility that I talk about is neuroemotional agility, which is the ability to respond and shift our neural states to states of um, contribution to states of purpose. That's the first form. The second form of agility I talk about is learning agility and that's the ability to unlearn you know what our historical mindsets have been about whether it's about leadership, about learning, about you know problem solving and decision making have been created for a much more predictable world. So, the way we normally solve problems is we look for the right answer, right? There must be one right answer, or there must be one expert who's going to be able to tell us, or there must be a best practice. Well, in this new world that is a lot less predictable, none of that exists. So, we have to sort of unlearn that old mindset to very quickly shift to seeing the new reality and doing experiments and learning from the voices of others. And getting perspective quickly about you know how our customer needs, for example, might be changing, and that's a very different way of learning and decision making. We learn from the moment we notice what's happening, and we're not waiting for futurists to tell us what's happening. We actually create very quickly and by action the future that is emerging. So that's learning agility. The third is trust agility. So you know the teams of the future we're already seeing how trust is so important in today's world we're now more virtual and we know that you know teams that have trust are nine times more agile so how do we quickly create trust in teams because we're working with people of different generations spread across the globe virtual and in the future as business models change we might be working with people that are gig workers and, you know, people inside of our organization. So how do we quickly learn how to establish trust and particularly in a virtual environment with these people so that we can collaborate to make things happen? The fourth is stakeholder agility, and that's the ability to look throughout the ecosystem. Now, more and more, we're solving problems, like the whole problems of the pandemic, for example, testing, COVID, the problems of race in America, the problem of climate change. These are problems that are big and collective that no one entity can solve. So, there will be much more public-private partnerships that will solve some of these major problems. And in the case of within an organization, we're likely going to be working with people across an organization. A lot of my clients that are at the top of an organization are often working with people over whom they have no control in the hierarchy, right? So this is all about how do I listen and learn to stakeholders, whether they are communities, whether they are customers, whether they are peers, and how do I map out the ecosystem to figure out how to do that? And then the fifth is growth agility. And that is the ability to grow ourselves and, and others to accelerate you know, a future-ready workforce. So there's going to be a billion or so people If not more, that we'll need reskilling and upskilling in this new world in this decade. How do we enable that? How do we do that at scale?
0: You know, it does sound like there is an opportunity, no doubt, at the organization level, and it doesn't matter what size it is, because you know, at, at every level, wherever the organization is, whatever they do, there's this constant disruption taking place, and these principles these shifts and being able to, you know, recognize it and bring people together to help address it. I mean, that that certainly is going to happen throughout all organizations, no matter what size. And it also sounds like this is an opportunity also at the community level. And again, we're right in the middle of this uh, second disruption in society. and But it does seem like the, there are some tools here to help us as well in that. In that space what kinds of tools do you have so that well, obviously we want people to go out and read the book folks you're going to go out and get wired for disruption the five shifts in agility to lead in the future of work and that's available from hena and on, on amazon and etc uh, but what tools are available for the reader the folks visiting your website that will help them take those further steps besides just reading the book and take how do they take action
1: yeah so i would recommend the one tool that is available to every single lit reader is called the agility quiz and maybe we can link to that here in the podcast show notes howard but it would be awesome to do that it's a five to eight minute quiz and you can go take it online and it's free And it'll pop out how you are doing in each one of these five areas of agility. So it'll be a self assessment and it'll tell you, like, okay, here's your score overall in terms of agility. And then here is your score in each of these five areas. And you'll be able to tell, am I, you know, here's an area of strength for me. That's awesome. How do I really leverage it? in this area that I'm challenged in or this opportunity that I see. And then there is, um, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll see what are some areas of um, development for you. And then it'll pop out, you know, one tool for each practice. So, each of the areas of agility will have one tool that you can, if you want to, you know, practice more of, that tool will be sent to you. And so, that, that would be a, a great place to start. On top of that, there are a lot of great podcasts that I have on my podcast, it's called the Transformational Leadership Podcast, and it has two types of podcasts. So the first is short coaching exercises that just pretty much anybody can use. And you listen to the coaching exercise and you work through it. And it's sort of like having your own virtual on-demand coach related to these areas of agility that are in my book. The second is lots of podcasts with experts. Uh, if you want to dig deep into a given topic, then you can go in and, and, you know, listen in on that topic.
0: Fantastic. You know, I need to introduce you to uh, Ryan Godfridson. He was a guest last week on the podcast, uh, actually a couple of weeks ago, we're just uh, publishing his podcast, hopefully today, definitely by tomorrow or Sunday. And his book was on mindset and open versus closed mindset. So definitely want to Put you two together, be a, you'd be a great podcast guest for you. He just published his book on mindset. Hannah, before we head out for the for the day, is there any final thoughts that you could leave our listeners with? An aha moment, an insight, something beyond this wonderful journey that you've taken us through? Your background and and your your transformation, and also the work you're doing right now to helping individuals and organizations at all levels get wired for disruption?
1: Yeah. So I think the most important thing that I would reiterate for your listeners is that you you got this, right? What we're looking for is already within us. We have access to neural states within us that I talk about in the book. That's part of the neuroemotional agility. We have access to these neural states that when they're activated, They help us be agile. They help us embody the leadership traits that are most needed in this time. Traits like curiosity, collaboration, creativity. Those neural states are already within us. And we have the key within ourselves to activate it and to just remember that.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much for that. and Hannah, uh, before we head out, if our listeners would like to learn more about you and your work, where are the best places for them to go?
1: So the best place is to go to my website. It's transformleaders.tv. And the other best place to find me is on LinkedIn. I'm really active and please follow me or connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm going to be doing a whole series of LinkedIn lives related to the book and related to the tools. So yeah, those would be good to a couple of really good places.
0: Fantastic. And we'll provide the backlinks to the website, to your LinkedIn profile. And uh, I'm assuming we can get to your podcast from your website? Absolutely. Fantastic. Well, Hannah, it's been an absolute pleasure to reconnect with you and to have this conversation. I appreciate the time you've taken. And really, I'm excited about your work in the this idea of wire for disruption and becoming more agile and really excited to be able to share this work uh, with our listeners. So thank you again for taking time to uh, join us on the Success Insight podcast.
1: Howard, this is like my very f- most fun podcast experience. And I have to tell you, like you're one of the m- best podcasters that I've listened to so far.
0: Oh my. So I thank you so much for that. I, I do appreciate that. Thank you. There you have it, folks. We have just been, I don't know how to continue now. Wow. Um, fantastic. What a gift. So, folks, uh, we've just been chatting with Hannah Inan. She is the author of the just published book, Wired for Disruption, The Five Shifts in Agility to Lead in the Future of Work you can learn more about Kenna by visiting her website at transformleaders.tv her book is available on amazon and we will also provide links to her linkedin profile so that you can learn more about her there as well as also to make a new connection and hey when you do connect with her let her know that you heard us together on this interview on the success insight podcast and if you're looking for a speaker presenter you know, really, this work that Henna does is just totally amazing. And again, this, as I've shared recently a lot, you know, the, these types of topics are really part of my coaching wheelhouse. And when I get to to uh, have conversations with experts like Henna, it just it makes my work all the all the better, and I, I love it. So I hope uh, you enjoyed it as well. As far as this podcast is concerned, the episode will be up on Success Insight podcast.com as well as on our facebook page our linkedin company page it'll be on our youtube page as well as the podcast channels apple podcast google podcast iHeartRadio, and spotify so folks wherever you are whatever you're doing go out there have a safe phenomenal day make a difference not only in your life and make a difference in your neighbor's life But again, be safe and take care of yourself. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Success Insight Podcast. Take care now.
1: Success Insight is a production of Fox Coaching and First Story Strategies. Find us online, successinsightpodcast.com.